This is Living Proof Radio, May 2024. All of our full episodes are available on our Patreon with weekly drops, a Patreon-only radio show, and Living Proof magazine delivered to your house every issue, as well as our entire members-only library backlog. Patreon.com slash York. So I guess we can start with where are you from? Uh, sort of California, I guess. Mm-hmm. I grew up there, but I lived in the Midwest and I've kind of been uh, moving a lot for the last 10 years, I guess. Really? Like where have you lived? I was living in Ukraine for a while. And now I guess I live in New York more or less, but uh, out west a lot, just in different locations. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on um, living in New York and how long have you lived here? Uh, I've been here seven years and I love it, but I have to get out all the time because it grinds you down. You know, they call it like the pencil sharpener. It keeps you sharp, but it keeps grinding and grinding you. Um, It's like the most exciting place to live. I keep coming back here because I like... I'll think of moving to Philly or something like that because it's cheaper and it's another city that's close by. But like what I like to do here is just ride the train around to a random place or the LIRR out to Long Island or something and then just get off and walk around. And you can kind of do that infinitely here and just go to like every borough, every stop on every subway, get off and walk around for three hours. And it's like a new interesting thing with like different people, different neighborhood signs, like a lot of inspiration type shit. Mm-hmm. So, um, what about it exactly grinds you down? Um, I don't know. There's something psychically painful about being in a place where there's like so many millions of people. And like, I love the anonymity of it. Like no one knows who you are, or gives a shit about you, but it also feels so ephemeral. Like you're, you know, you're working your ass off and so are the other 9 million people or whatever. And everyone's kind of grinding towards something or just like living their life being like an auto mechanic or whatever. Uh, but somehow it's really taxing seeing all these other people like striving for something and knowing that it's all just like kind of fake Mm -hmm. too. Like if you're trying to make it in the art world, you're trying to make it, I don't know, as an actor or whatever, it's like replaceable characters on a set getting, and you know, people come here for a couple of years, then leave. There's people that live here for their whole lives too. My ex is from here. Um, so yeah, I don't know, like dealing with all of that kind of weight of how brief it is gets to be a pain and just being surrounded by people all the time and not having any like nature at all so do you think that uh, overpopulation uh is a factor mm, i don't know or population density i like population density i don't like the rest of america um well not the rest but like when you go like i spend a lot of time in the south Or out west, like I grew up in California and, you know, like the Bay Area has 12 million people, but it's over like 50 miles, you know, and instead of building vertically, they just spread out because land was cheap. And now it's kind of filled in, but it's like an endless gross grid. And it's just like I wish they would have made it half as big. So there was just more space around it that was open, not just like paved, you know, it's paved for 50 miles. There's something like really depressing about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, the density gets to people too, you know, like the, the rat race type beat. So, so did you live in Ukraine? 
Yeah, I lived there for two years uh, when that revolution was happening in like 2014. Do you remember that time? No, not really. Yeah, I was there in 13 and 14. I mean, there's the war shit going on there right now, which is really sad. Um, I have a lot of friends there still. But in 2012, I think I moved there to teach English just to get out of the U.S. I had like traveled abroad before. And I was always like, I'm going to go to Colombia or Mexico and I'm just going to live there. And then I would get there and after a couple of weeks, I'd run out of money and I couldn't find a job. And I was like, oh, shit, I have to come back to the U.S. So I, I went to Ukraine to teach. Um, and I, yeah, it was great. It like uh, really changed my life. So I'd been stuck in the Midwest for like 10 years at that point and was just like working an office job and wanted to die. Like it was, uh, I don't know, it was depressing. So when you moved to Ukraine, did you know anyone over there? No, I uh, I took this teaching program to learn to be a teacher. And then when I graduated, I just started applying at places online. And it was between the first two places that answered were Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan and Ukraine. And I kind of just like flipped a coin and picked Ukraine. I couldn't even find Ukraine on a map, honestly, when I moved there, which is really sad. Um, but it ended up being, you know, a really important decision and like a great thing that happened for me. So. so, so you went there not knowing anyone to teach English. What was your lifestyle like when you lived there? I moved to Eastern Ukraine to this town called Zaporozhye. Um, it's like a million people. They have like a, a big dam there and a nuclear power plant. That's about all there is. Uh, and I just lived in a what do they call them, Deviatkis? Like the, they have these nine-story concrete apartment buildings everywhere. It looks a lot like the projects in New York, actually. They're like these really tall cement buildings. If you ever go to Eastern Europe, you'll see them everywhere. They're nine stories, and there's like a bunch of green space around them, and they're just like dotting the whole landscape. They just put them all up during the USSR time. And I just lived on the ninth floor of one of those and had a balcony overlooking like a factories and shit. Uh... And it was really lonely, but I, like, really liked it. You know, I was just in this fucking town in the middle of nowhere. No one spoke English. Um, I didn't speak any Russian at the time. So it was definitely psychically taxing. But uh, really, I don't know, it, 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 I got a lot of growth done. That's maybe a corny word, but it was good. So yeah. what, would, what would you do when you were there when you weren't teaching, seeing as you can't speak the language and you don't know anyone? Ah, uh, I just walked around. I mean, that's what I do everywhere. So I just walk. I'll take, they have uh, marshrutkas, which are like, um, looks like a short bus kind of, and they cost like five cents. So I would just get on one and go to the far end of town or take the trolley bus around and just walk everywhere. Eventually I started painting graffiti, which felt weird because I didn't know like the legality of it there. Um, and I ended up, like, meeting these weird 16-year-old kids that were, like, the local graffiti group. And they were, like, super sick. They, like, I don't know how they found me online or, like, maybe through a VK, which is, like, the Russian version of Facebook. I had one of those over there. And one of them, like, through a friend found out that I was there. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just wandered around and, like, went to all the markets and sat alone in my apartment a lot. So how long did you live there and when did you, when and why did you end up coming back to the States? Um, I lived there for like nine months, 10 months. I came back to the U.S. for a summer and then went back to Ukraine. Uh, 
and I was so I was there about two years and after the end of the second year I kind of just knew that it wasn't for me for the rest of my life you know like I loved it there and it's really beautiful it's weird being an expat because like you have an easier life than the average person there even though you make like ten dollars an hour that's that's a ton of money there um but I just kind of felt like I needed to go back to the U.S. to try and live my life here in this country that makes sense to me like there's there's this thing about living abroad where even like I learned Russian when I was there uh pretty well like not totally fluently and I've forgotten all of it now but uh there's like a cultural difference when you're in another place where they have an entire like childhood of memories based on tv shows in a different language and their humor is different and like they're like everything like deep in their soul is like different from yours so like I just knew that I couldn't ever really fit in a hundred percent there and that I needed to go back to the U.S. where like whatever was going on in my head more like even though I feel like an alien here too it lines up better with you know you can communicate with you you can tell jokes it was weird being in a place for two years where no one would ever understand a joke that I told or something you know Mm -hmm. like humor is really important to me and that was like I remember being kind of sad about that it's almost like as if you don't have that full spectrum of human connection yeah yeah I mean it's yeah, it's even the corny stuff like you grew up watching The Simpsons and you can just say like a Simpsons line to someone here or whatever and they just like, it's intuitively like wired in their brain or whatever. Yeah, like they don't know you and they don't know like where you come from. Yeah, and at the same time it's really important to like get outside of your safety comfort zone and like interact with people who are different from you so that you can, I like, I don't know, just like try yourself against a new substrate of person or whatever and it's like that misunderstanding is where you end up like learning a bunch of new shit you know i think it was important for my art maybe like learning russian and like speaking to a bunch of people that didn't have a bunch of american idioms and shit to like pull back from language-based humor and the type of art that i do and shit even Mm -hmm. so i don't know so you you come back to america let's fast forward i guess to the time of um whenever you're living back in new york when you're living back here, having lived, uh, I assume, in a ton of different places, but Ukraine being one of them, is there any, like, reintegration period? Uh, I know that probably sounds weird, but when I go to Ecuador, <coughs> even for just a month, mm-hmm. and I come back here, and I'm speaking Spanish the whole time I'm there, mm-hmm. and I'm speaking with people who are so unlike my American friends, mm-hmm. I question whether I sound weird to my, to my, to my close friends. Yeah, yeah. So is there any, was there any of that? Uh, not so much in me thinking I sounded weird to my close friends, but every time you come back to New York, I feel for me, I have a different feeling of like, if I've been gone for two months or six months or two weeks, when you're flying back or getting on the train back or whatever, it's either like trepidation, like, oh, fuck, I'm going to be back in New York now. God damn it. I got to do this job or whatever. Or sometimes it's like, oh, I'm going to be back in New York. It's summer, like shit's popping off. Um, As far as social interactions with people, uh, I don't ever assume that I'm going to, like, get along well with the people. I think I'm going to get along well with my friends, but, like, I also think that uh, I just have so many different friendships here that maybe I'll come back and I'll think I'm going to see this person. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see them. And then they're busy. You don't see them for three months, and it's like... I don't take it too personal, I guess, mm-hmm. if, if we have some or if they've changed, you know, and like we don't have the same stuff to talk about. 
uh, and maybe I won't see them for a year or two, but then they'll come back around again into your life and then you can, you know, pick up where you left off or they tell you the new shit they've been on and their new studio and their new job and this and that. And it's, I don't know. The, the dynamism of New York is kind of what keeps it exciting and not knowing what's going to happen. Would you, would you say that you're a social person? Um, yeah, definitely. Like, it's hard for me. Uh, like, I try, I've been trying to go to, like, art shows and social functions because for a long time I've just... And COVID happened, so nothing was going on. And I kind of just, like, drink under bridges with my friends, you know? And I'm like, oh, I should try and, like, go out and talk to people at, at functions to see... I don't know how like the art world works or how any of this stuff and it's I like get exhausted trying to talk to a new person at, at an event like that but then I think I'm actually like pretty good at it if I just can get over myself I'm like very uh, self-conscious so I don't know so in some uh painting that you did you you put like the bear is the only you can stop forest fires or oh yeah fires thing. and then you wrote in it and excuse me if I get it wrong but it was like only you can stop technological society in its future. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you? What did you mean by that? What do you mean by technological society in its future? I mean probably like social credit score future and uh, just. I mean it's kind of a. I don't know if it's a joke, but the fact that I put that on Instagram to sell it and people are looking at their phones to buy it, I guess it really depresses me that most people are just absorbed in screens so much now, and that's like a obviously like a trite thing to say but like i have the screen time uh app on my phone it tells me like this week you spent five hours a day on your fucking phone and i've got it down to like two and a half hours now which i'm like still kind of sad that two and a half hours every day i'm just looking at this thing but i was working at this restaurant talking to all these teenagers i was working with and they were like oh you're only at three hours oh we're all at like nine hours a day and it's just like i I, it just like depresses the shit out of me that people are spending, you know, I don't have a, a computer or a TV or anything. I don't watch shit at home. I read books, which is just like another type of screen in a way, but it's a different, it's like less passive information sucking than like active brain work. Um, but I guess that's long story short, TLDR, uh, technological society, it's future to me is just like, people being numbers that are absorbed in screen life and like not living outside life which is like so much it's shitty outside but it's cool too i don't know wow so so are you um would you say that you're like what are your thoughts on social media then? i mean it's a waste of time but it's kind of necessary at this point what i think philip k dick or someone said reality is the thing that when you stop believing in it it doesn't go away so, like, you can stop believing in social media and just be like, yeah, it's bullshit. But, like, at this point, I mean, I get a lot of jobs through social media. People, and I, uh, let's pretend it's 1998 and I'm me living in New York or living in uh, fucking North Carolina or Minnesota doing mosaics and I'm, like, putting them up places. No one's ever going to fucking see them. You know, I think you can't just deny that, uh, like, there's, I have... A bunch of graffiti people that I like that are in Europe. I'm never going to see their graffiti. If it weren't for social media, I would never see these things existing. So, I mean, it can't all be bad, you know? It's just mm-hmm. like, obviously, you take it if you can in moderation. Mm-hmm. So, there is, a, I feel like, a purity that is lost. Um, 
and I, I myself personally like social media for the most part, mm -hmm. but I definitely think there's a purity that is lost on so many different degrees in life with social media, like even just in terms of the surprise value of seeing something in real life. Mm -hmm. Once you've seen it so much on social media, it goes away. Like when I was uh, younger, I would see, let's say, graffiti in New York, and I would get super excited when I see it because it would be my first time seeing it. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't seen the spot a thousand times before I actually saw it in person. And then um, the other day, I was riding on the train and I saw uh, like a roller that I had never seen before because I hadn't been online recently. Mm -hmm. And I, I actually gasped, uh, which wow. I never, I hadn't done for, I feel like years because mm -hmm. I already seen it. And uh, I guess on another note, like, do you think that social media is actually social? Because in a way we are interacting, but you just said in a way where you're like, passively sucking information just sitting there it's almost like viewing tv you might see something and you know how many times like i'll talk to friends who have they have liked a post they literally like it mm -hmm. and then when i mention the post to them they don't remember it because yeah. it truly is passive yeah i mean i think there's definitely social interaction going on it's, it's flattened compared to i mean we've been dealing with like a flattening of interaction for the past 150 years from face to face and then there was the invention of like the telegraph and the telephone, which like, you know, were sort of early social media in a weird way where it's like you're being more and more disconnected from uh, the actual person you're interacting with. And then I think everyone knows that with, you know, messaging someone on social media or whatever, that you can't use sarcasm, humor doesn't come across, there's no depth to it. So it's just like a, it is social, but probably limited as far as like the, surprise thing at seeing things in real life and i don't really i don't see a ton of graffiti online weirdly enough like i i use social media just to like see what my friends with kids are doing and stuff i like prefer to see i don't know just like uh i guess i see a lot of tattooing shit which i like i use that for inspiration a lot of times but uh and i would never see those tattoos in real life again with graffiti i prefer just to walk around and, and look at it and and graffiti is not really like a part of my creative world. It's more part of my like real world uh, geography type beat. Like I just like walking around and seeing like a new thing, and it's just another part of like the mental map you make of make of the city. Like, mm -hmm. oh, this is that bridge where there's that new hang down that went across it, and it's just kind of like it's kind of what keeps New York interesting is having these new things to interact with. Mm -hmm. What do you think about? Um... Well, I have two questions that I'll put into one. So what do you think about uh, all of this social media uh, and technology and the, what did you say it was? Flattening of like the way we interact. Yeah. Um, and it's effect that it has on our mind, like our anxiety, our depression levels, our, how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about other humans. And then the second part of the question is uh, in terms of like uh, Ted Kaczynski, like te uh, industrial society in its future, um, and all that stuff, like, what are your thoughts upon what he wrote? Um, all right, so I have to think of the first question. What was it again, like, flattening, like... What do you, what do you think that, like, social media and shit like that does yeah. to the... To, to, the to our, for anxiety and depression? Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about, uh, I heard some Chuck Klosterman, who's, like, a 90s writer, a 2000s writer... He was like very like uh, American apparel, like hipster stuff, you know? And I, he came out with a new book called The 90s, which I'm not going to read. 
but he was on a YouTube show that someone sent me and he was just talking about his experience of the 90s, which I found kind of interesting because I was like pretty young at that time. So I don't remember it. And he's comparing what it was like to actually be alive in the 90s compared to our contemporary reimagining of it. And when we think of the 90s, we think of like what the Internet was like. And then but like really in the 90s, like no one was on the fucking Internet. What I remember from the 90s being a kid and I grew up in this really rural place and I only had two TV channels uh, and like nothing to do. I remember being bored all the time. And that's what he mentioned. He's like, in the 90s, we were always bored. There was like nothing to do in a weird way. Like kids would sit around and be like, I'm bored, I'm bored. Uh, And to me, what the screen in front of you all the time now, like it's erased boredom. And he was kind of saying that too, that like no one's really like bored anymore, uh, but everyone's insanely anxious. And to me, it's seemingly more depressed than they were 20 years ago. And I don't know if that just has to do with social media or like the just the quality of life kind of maybe decreasing, like, you know, life expectancy is going down, obesity and drug use going up like it. Life is maybe actively getting shittier. It's hard to tell because everyone always looks at like to the past and like, oh, it was better then or it was worse. And, you know, obviously there are worse things in the 90s, too. There's a higher crime rate. And like if you go back to the 50s, it's like, oh, it's a golden time unless you were gay or black. And it was fucking terrible, you know, and it's still not good. I don't know. Uh, it's it's hard to make like a. I just from the people that I talk to that are young people now, like they aren't bored anymore and they're depressed in like a slightly different way than like I've been depressed my whole life. And I've been interacting with a lot of people that are like in their early 20s and maybe it's just because I'm older now, but they seem like really fucking insane, you know, like, and I don't, I can't tell if it's just because like I'm older and slower and quieter now or I'm like, no, it's okay. It's going to be fine. But like, they seem really like unhinged and having a fucking rough time of it. And I can't blame them or anything, but it's, I maybe can't relate to it because we have a different interaction with the world now than we used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, in, um, in Grimes' podcast with uh, Lex Friedman, which I feel like people should listen to because it's wicked good, mm-hmm. uh, she talks about how she thinks that um, we're no longer homo sapiens. She thinks we're um, homo techno, which <laughs> is just like the next thing that comes and that our brains have fundamentally shifted and changed because of our constant interaction with, uh, we pretty much have like a style of like a, a symbiosis with, well, not even pretty much. Mm-hmm. We have a symbiosis with technology, with our iPhones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was, I was talking to Alex Tutone and he said like, the phone is never more than like two, three feet away from me. It's like, it's like my second, it's like an external <laughs> organ, you know what I mean? So um, yeah, there's that. I mean, yeah, the, the depressing fact that the phone is always in the pocket. I don't, I wouldn't say, I don't know if we're homo techno now. Uh, that phrase needs to get reworded probably. I like Grimes too, or I liked her music a long time ago. I haven't paid attention to her now as much. Um, with Lex Friedman, is he like a Joe Rogan guy that's like on Joe Rogan sometimes? He's been on Joe Rogan. He's the Russian guy, Russian Ukrainian guy, I believe, mm-hmm. who always wears the suit. Yeah, that guy's so, he's so dorky. I, I the suit thing is so funny to me. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty crazy. Um, but uh, I, we definitely, the thing is, I'll like lose my phone for a while, or like I'll go on a trip out in the middle of nowhere and not have the phone, and I don't, and I kind of am fine with it. So like, I don't know if it's 
rendered fundamental deep down changes or if you could just like drop it and you know maybe we're getting ready for societal collapse and all the 5g towers will catch on fire and people won't have the phones and they like i don't think it'd be a better time but it uh i think they'd get used to it pretty quickly i think the adaptability of humans to new things to a certain point you know once you get to be 60 you can't learn to to program a vcr or whatever everyone hits like a certain age where the technology stops making sense uh, I remember my grandpa, he made it until like 80 something years old and he kept up with most of the technology changes. And then when he was like 80, he got a five CD changer and he loves ABBA. And he put in five ABBA CDs and he never learned how to take them out after that. It was like, that was where the brain stopped. And he had to have me come over to like help with the CD changer mm-hmm. because it like, it just wouldn't, I don't know. But I think that until you get to that point, I don't. Yeah, I mean, we. It sucks. We're on the phone all the time. It's cool because you have all the information at your fingertips. All the cliche stuff people say about it. I, as far as like rendering fundamental changes in people, I don't. I guess time will tell because mm. it's probably going to change again in ten years, and like maybe we will have the point then where they have the chip in your head where you aren't looking at your phone anymore. You're just like thinking the thing and renders in front of your eyes or something. You know, like yeah. I don't know if it'll get that far. But. Yeah, if it does get that far, then you're truly homo techno. Yeah, it's inside of me. There's like, there's been a change. Well, but then I wonder what, what difference does it make? You know, because the the brain is the same. It's almost lazier in a sense. Because like I think of language shit. Like you said, you go to Ecuador. Yeah. So you speak Spanish. You know, and like uh, you can go to China now, and you can have your phone instead of having to learn Chinese. You can just like type a phrase, and the translator is actually pretty good. You can just show it to the person, and they understand what you're saying. Um. But, like, with every technological advancement, I, I wonder if people get lazier and dumber and weaker in a way. Because, like, having to learn a language is a really difficult thing that, like, works out your brain the same as going to the gym works out your body. And so with that disappearing, I just, yeah, like, are we going to atrophy where we have a machine doing all our thinking? You know, or like, when you had people that worked physical labor jobs like construction things they were all fucking ripped you know and now like you see seven dudes standing around a a backhoe and they're all got beer guts Mm -hmm. they can't wait to go get their like 17th monster energy of the day or whatever and it's like uh with every technological advancement there's like a step backwards Mm -hmm. maybe for humanity as a whole or i don't you know i'm a negative person so i don't uh i don't want to be you know it, it could be good yeah i think there's like a it's so weird because, yeah, you're, I think you're fully right. With a lot of technological advancements, our bodies kind of atrophy in a way or another. But, like, while our bodies atrophy, our abilities kind of are just growing because we have something that will do it yeah. so much better than our bodies ever could. So it is weird. Um, in terms of your writing, uh, I heard that you, like, that's something that you do, meaning you write books. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the deal with that? How, how did you get into that? And uh, what are some of the stuff that you write about uh i think i just like i at some point when i was like 18 or 19 i just got back from like some weird party or something i just wrote the whole thing down in like a journal like 10 pages because like a bunch of crazy shit happened you know it's like some teenage shit like i woke up in another city not knowing how i got there and it was like funny and i painted some graffiti in like the middle of the day or so i wanted to like write it down as a story and then I didn't really read books until I was 19 because I thought it was like dumb. 
because I was like a cool drug addict in high school or whatever. And then I like, uh, me and my friends were in this apartment complex and we stole a neighbor's package, which I feel really bad about now, but it happened to be a package of books and they had like Bukowski and Celine and a bunch of like entry level, like uh, young disgruntled person literature, which is really fun to read when you're 19. And I was like, what? Books are like actually cool. Like this guy's just talking about being drunk all day and fucking like, that's what I like too, you know? And so I think I started to write stuff after that in attempt to emulate it, probably in the same way people get into graffiti. At first they just like it as like a fan maybe. And then they're like, wait, I can do this, you know? So uh, that's how it started. And that, you know, I've, I've written like four or five books and probably one or two of them are okay. And they're all, it's just like a, it's a prob, it's a project, you know, it's like a, they say the problem of creative people is they always need a problem to solve. And if they don't have one, they make one for themselves. It's, it seems uh, pretentious to call myself a creative person, but uh, yeah, like it's, I'll just get a project in my head. Like I just wrote a book this year that's uh, based on this thing that the crew change, you know what the crew changes? I don't want to talk too much about it because it's like the, it's how you like ride freight trains in the U.S. It's like a photocopied book that people pass along and it's uh, in alphabetical order by state and city under each state. Uh, it tells you how to go to every city and where to wait and get on and all this shit. Kind of like coded weird language. I've said too much already, but I wrote, I was like, I should just take that format of taking all 50 states because I've been to everywhere. And then every city and just writing like something that happened to me in that place so it's like giving myself a a format to work within and like a problem to solve where it's like okay you just have to like in your head think about kansas city and everything that's happened there and then like dialogue plot and like shape it and then type it out which takes like a couple hours and it's like very heavy mental effort you do that for every state and then you look at the entire project as a whole and like realize like where you can fix stuff or take something out completely it's just like uh i don't know it's something to to keep me from putting a gun in my mouth i guess mm. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> uh so, so that's one of the five that you've written yeah i wrote a sci-fi one that's terrible someone just told me they bought it because i thought i took it off of uh, i like self-published it and it's on amazon this sci-fi book and i forgot it was there and my friend bought it and he was like yeah i tried to read it it was like really bad and i was like dude don't are there any uh let's say autobiographical ones are there any philosophy ones are there any like what are they're all fiction i mean like the there's one that everyone i think has read or not everyone but like a lot of people i've talked to like oh i read this like 2009 an autopsy one which is like very like magic realism autobiography it's just about the year 2009 and like kind of just what I did in that year mixed with some other like magic-y type shit. So do you pen these first? Um, I mean, I type everything. I can't, I couldn't write it longhand. It would kill my wrist, you mm -hmm. know? Um, yeah, I just usually, you know, sit at the, I had to get a computer to write this book. I, I don't have the internet because that would, I, it's too much, but, uh, I got a computer basically to write this last book because I hadn't had one in a long time. Just because I like move a lot and it's like a heavy thing to, but now I've got this mosaic shit and it's really fucking with my flow because it's so heavy. I used to just have a backpack for like a decade. I could just 
pick up and move somewhere and then you know you get spray paint in a new town you get some acrylics and paint brushes you can paint paintings and now i have these like 10 boxes of fucking ceramic tile and like five home depot buckets full of concrete that weigh 50 pounds a piece it's it's actually been like fucking with my head because i can't just pick up and leave anytime now so what's um i'm gonna address that fully but what is how often are you moving around I mean, I used to move all the time. I, when I lived in, I lived in Minnesota for a while. I, I wrote it down one time, and I moved thirty-five times in seven or eight years. Or so. I like, I haven't been on a lease in like a really long time, and I'll just like, I would just move in the city over and over again. Um, and even now, I mean. I, I think I told him that I wasn't going to talk about like the work shit that I do, but I have to like travel a lot for work and I go somewhere and stay there for a couple months. Like I used to trim weed out in California and so I would go there for like two or three months. So I would move like, I never really lived any, I like probably live three to four months in three different places every year or something. How does it, how does it feel to do that? Uh, I was thinking. Does it, it ever feel like you don't have a, a true home or you have a true schedule that's that is always changing? I mean, I was just thinking about this recently about like whether it's more exhausting to move all the time or more exhausting to stay in one place. And I don't. I had to. I moved when I was like fourteen. I grew up in California, and then we had some shit happen and had to move to the Midwest. And I remember being like really bummed about it. Cause I like, if you grew up in California, you're like, Oh cool. There's nothing else in the world. All there is is California. Why would you go anywhere else? So it's good that I moved in the end. But, uh, ever since then, it kind of like fucked with the idea of permanence in my head in general. And I haven't been able to find a place that felt, I really like Minnesota. I go back there all the time and I have fun there, but like the idea of living there full time is definitely kind of like a living death. But maybe I've just been too many places now and it's like if you, maybe if you eat at too many restaurants, the idea of just eating hot dogs for the rest of your life is depressing. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's like that. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But you, you just got back to New York, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I just went out to Chicago and I got a ride to Wisconsin then I rode a freight to Minnesota saw some people um and then I just flew back from there I was fucking lazy and I had to get back here for some I'm working on some shit here I've got to do so how long you point I'm staying here I saw on your Instagram that you were looking for a spot in Brooklyn I'm looking to get a studio so that I can I I work out of my apartment um like art shit and it's so it's like really crowding my, you know, it just takes up so much space. And I like would like to, I'm also thinking of starting some other art shit like tattooing and doing more sculpture stuff. And I would just like to remove that from my, like when I wake up every morning, I just look over and see the projects that I'm working on. Um, I used to have an art studio years ago uh, that I got for really cheap. And I really like the process of having a studio because you can like, really compartmentalize and like today I'm going to the studio and I'm going to go there for eight hours and bust my ass and like work on this thing, do this painting, do this sculpture, uh, write this thing as opposed to now where it's just like, I wake up in the morning, I go over to the kitchen, make my cereal, draw for an hour, go over, work on mosaic for an hour or two. And I just never can unplug. 
I think that's part of what New York that's like dragging me down is that my whole life is contained in this studio and it like really, it doesn't ever stop. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Uh, how did you get into um, mosaics? I think probably Ukraine mixed with Mexico. Uh, Ukraine has really beautiful mosaics all left over from the Soviet Union. Um, when I first moved to Eastern Ukraine to this town, Zaporozhye, uh, right on the Prospect Lenin, every, every town in Ukraine and the Soviet Union has Prospect Lenin. That's the main street through every town. But uh, the post office there has this like 100 foot tall mosaic um, that I think is representing the, the hydroelectric dam they have there. But it's this, uh, you know, Colossus from X-Men, no. like... It's like oh, this, he's he's like from the '90s X-Men comic, and he's like made of metal and like super ripped, and that's what this like this mosaic is like that looking fool, like this hella ripped like blue dude with a bunch of like exploding quasars and shit around him that's supposed to represent the hydroelectric dam, but it just was like really epic, and I was like, what the fuck is this? And all the people in town are like, oh yeah, that's the mosaics. There's just mosaics everywhere. And I was like, there's just hundred foot mosaics everywhere, and like. You know, there's just a orb in the sky that you can't look at and no one talks about it. Like, it's really, um, and I would, like, go around and I would take the bus around and see just, like, random bus stops are made of mosaics. And it just was really cool. But I didn't get the idea. I painted some graffiti at that point that was, like, mosaic influence. Like, I would just do, like, a bunch of dots and stuff. Um, but that was, like, 2014. I still didn't really think of doing them as like a medium. And then in 2017, I spent like two or three months in Mexico, just kind of like living on the cheap. You can get like $100 rent type beat. And in Mexico, they have some really nice mosaics on some of the government buildings. And I think it's because they used to have like a lot of interchange with the USSR, like Trotsky died there and shit. Um, but there's this one building in Mexico City that has like a 200 foot tall mosaic of like leopards and crazy shit. I remember seeing that and then just thinking like, man, no one really does anything with mosaics. And it's such a cool medium. And it, I think at first I want to do them on freight trains. Like the first like 20 that I did, I did mosaics on like boxcars. And I think they've all fallen off at this point because there's like so much rattling and shit. But I just remember being like, oh, that would be such a cool thing to do for people to see like out of context like why is there a fucking mosaic here you know and that i don't know it's just like a it's a fun medium because it's very limited is it difficult to work with it's difficult and easy because like it's uh it's changed how i draw for sure because you can't really do outlines very well in mosaic format you know you just have to have like color blobs and shapes so you're kind of limited by like, you know, if you want to draw a pair of Converse shoes or something, you really have to break it down to its constituent, like white striped bottom, red shape, mm. maybe a couple white dots for laces. And you can't get the whole circle with the star in it. You just have to like, you really have to work with, uh, you know, people's ideas of concepts and symbols that they already have in their head and then like build up from that or something. You know, it's it's been... It's a, it's an easy medium once you get the right colors. It's hard to get good colors of tile, I found. I go to, like, a lot of, like, used hardware store places and, like, get broken plates and stuff. But uh, I don't know if it's difficult. It's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. how, did you, um, how did you start riding on freights? Um, a long time ago when I was living in Minneapolis... 
one of my friends was just like he's like autistic he's a graph person he was just hella into trains like he had like radios and was like listening to him all the time and he was like you know we can ride this somewhere and i was like no not really and it was kind of like a thing in like 2005 and 6 the the graffiti people all of us there were just like get like a backpack full of paint and like a bottle of whiskey and then like the train comes by and you just like get on while it's moving which i hate doing now i'm like so afraid of it and we would just ride like uh one crew change a crew change is like the distance between stops on it so like let's say you live in new jersey you know there's a train yard in wherever north jersey the next crew change will be like four to ten hours away in like the next city and so in Minneapolis, we would just get on and go to the next city, get off the train, go around, paint a bunch of shit, drink all night, fall asleep under a bridge, and then in the morning wake up and get on another train and come back. And that's kind of like, I didn't know you could even really go far on them. Like, I had no concept of, you know, now at this point, like, I'll go to Minneapolis and get off in Portland. You like, know, you could use it as a full straight up means of transportation. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people do, although, like, you know, I think most people are just kind of doing it to kill time, like, or have fun or whatever, but I've also used it to get to jobs and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, how, how much longer does it take than, say, taking a Greyhound bus? Never mind. It's kind of, it can be faster. Oh, for real? Yeah, I mean, like, I just got on in, uh, like, California a couple weeks ago, and I was in Denver, like, a day later, you know, like, it's... You can make it really fast because it, it depends, you know, like everything that you get on Amazon comes on a freight train. Mm -hmm. It all comes from the port of Los Angeles from a FedEx train or not all of it, but a lot of it. Uh, and when you track it and see like where it is in the country, it's just on a fucking flatbed on a train car. And like they go 70 miles an hour through the desert and shit. It's, you know, you, if you want to get somewhere really fast, it is a possible like decent way for transportation. What about when you um when you like when you sleep on them and I know you slept on a, on a suicide car I think you oh yeah no I didn't sleep on a suicide car I got on a suicide on accident or I was just like really fucked up and yeah that was a mistake um, so what's a suicide car uh it's just like when you're riding trains there's like different ones you can ride and there's sometimes when you get on one that's like doesn't have a floor it's just like a bunch of cross metal beams um so it's like if you were to fall asleep you would just die you'd like fall through it you know so like i got on one of these cars because i did i write about this in like an essay or something, like an interview or something it was, it was in some interview very briefly okay yeah what happened was uh i was in minneapolis and i rode the train to wisconsin it was a long time ago and then i got to wisconsin and i was going to go all the way to chicago and then i just like kind of got a hair up my ass and I saw there was a train going back to Minneapolis just right next to me. So I was just like, I'm just gonna get on this shit. You know, it's like sunrise and I got on, I don't know what the hell I was thinking. And I realized the sun was coming up and I hadn't slept all night and there was nowhere to sleep. And there was all these bars there. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna die if I like stay on this thing. So yeah, most people don't try not to ride suicide. You know, sometimes you have to to get up a place cause there's no rideable cars other than suicides. But like you realized in that moment that you would die closely so you just jumped off going pretty fast. I was going, yeah, I was going really fast. I ended up in this town, Wisconsin Dells, which is like the Pigeon Forge, Tennessee of the Midwest. Have you, you know, Pigeon Forge or Dollywood and shit? It's like, uh, 
it's where they have like Ripley's Believe It or Not or wax museums and shit and like a bunch of tourist shops where you can take like uh, old timey photographs of you as like a Western person. Yeah, and I ended up in this town, Wisconsin Dells, and I got heat stroke. It was so like, uh, it was 95 and I hadn't slept and I couldn't find any, there was like a river there too. And there was no way to get down to the river because there's just like shops the whole way. You just can't get into the water. And I was like dying of heat and I just needed some fucking water. And I just remember staring at this river and not being able to get to it and like really starting to lose my shit. And then I tried to go fall asleep behind the Amtrak station because I was like, okay, I'll just like, I think I had like a flip phone at the time. And I figured out how I could buy like a $30 Amtrak back. And uh, the owner of the Amtrak station wouldn't let me hang out inside and I was like I'm just like can I like lay out back and there's like a hose and I like sprayed myself with it and he came out and like kicked me out and I just had to like walk around this fucking town all day in the heat oh my god forgot about that shit it was terrible (laughs) running freight uh around America sounds like a really really uh crazy form of transportation because of the fact that out of everything, it seems like it would have the least guarantee of you arriving there. Um, I have no experience doing it. I'm sure if you know what you're doing there, you have like, you like you said, you can get there even faster. But from an outsider's perspective, it would just seem like you have such a lower chance of arriving there and such a higher chance of some stupid shit happening. I think if you know what you're doing, you can get a lot of places pretty quickly. Uh, and you know, if you miss one train, there's always another one, you know, an hour later, 10 hours later, two days later. Um, I mean, they're on, aside from like the Eastern seaboard and the Southern US, there's so many train lines that it can be kind of confusing. But once you get out West, it's kind of just like straight shots. Like you're in Seattle or Tacoma, it only goes down to LA or it goes across to fucking Chicago you know there's really only two directions you can go and you know like you know there's variations and there's trains that are going to dead end somewhere but if you know what you're doing it's like you know or if you have a radio some people have radios and it's like oh you just like get on this one and go this one's going here you know it's uh I think once you do it a bunch it's like just kind of easier it's like a given you know it's a it's an input output scenario train come stop me get on will be in iowa in two days or some Mm -hmm. shit you know how uh how did you get into writing graffiti and when how long ago i think i i said this one time in the one in some interview but uh, there's a girl that sat in front of me in math class that i was like in love with and uh she was like we all do graffiti like her i just moved to minnesota i didn't know anyone and i was like this girl's cool and she said graffiti is cool i should do graffiti and uh that yeah that was it you know like i just and none of them even did it it turns out they had done it like the summer before and then all given up but i just started like drawing it and uh it just i don't know why it like made sense to me or something did you start it with a traditional approach of like you know, hand-style, thoroughly uh, outline. I didn't know any of that stuff because, like, again, it's, you know, this is, like, over 20 years ago, and the internet didn't have that much shit on graph, and, like, it was... I had to go, like, all the way to Chicago to find a graffiti magazine. Like, my friend drove to Chicago, and I went to, like, Tower Records or some shit, and they had, uh, like, uh, some... 
I don't know. I remember it had RD three fifty seven on the cover of it, and I was like, "Wow, it's a real graffiti magazine." And I was like, "Okay, so you do like a tag, and then whatever this bubble letter thing." Like, I didn't have anyone to tell me how to do it or anything. It was just kind of like, and I didn't know anyone else that did it because all the people, like I said, that I thought were cool that did it when I was fifteen, they didn't even do it. So it's just like me, like inventing it for myself, which is I think is how a lot of people maybe get into it. You know, mm-hmm. I remember me and uh, this guy Sars who. He's, he still has a little bit of stuff around here. He lived here like a decade ago, and he's moved away since. But we got into it together, and we were like, you know, still in high school, and we would paint like the local train line that came through our little town, and it had graffiti from really far away, like Virginians. Of people used to write like the state on their graffiti piece on freight trains because there was no internet, so it'd be like, I did this in like this, you know, zip code or area code and this state thing. But we were pretty convinced that we were the only people that still painted graffiti, like, in the world. <laughs> Not in the world, maybe, but we were like, dude, it's 2002. People were doing this shit in the 80s in New York, and I don't really know if they still do it anymore. But, like, we're definitely the only people in Minnesota that paint graffiti. This is pretty crazy. You know, and then, like, after, like, a year or two, we figured out there was people doing it. But it was, like, it was kind of fun being, like, we're the only ones that do this thing. <laughs> I don't know. So what, what did it... Um... I guess do for you back then over 20 years ago versus now when you paint uh, do you still have the same purpose behind it what does it even do for you I I've been trying to think about that a lot and like I think back then you know when you're like a kid you just do it because it's like fucking weird and crazy and like it just seems so much fun like the first time you get cans of spray paint you're like I can just write my name on anything this is cool and it has like some myth behind it or whatever that it's like I don't know it seems kind of magical when you're young and then like if you do it more than a couple years I think like I remember being like 21 and being okay like I have a job and I go to school and everyone has a job and goes to school or just has a job or everyone has their life but this is like one more thing that I have you know like Mm -hmm. we're all gonna die one day but I'm doing with this one extra thing and so it was kind of like a an ego type thing and then the at some point it became more of like a personal challenge I guess like creating a problem for myself to solve like how can I do this differently every time to make it like exciting for me it's just like me making a crossword puzzle for myself every day Mm um and And then I don't know the relationship between that and, like, audience. Like, why do people do graffiti? You know, like, you could just as easily draw it in a notebook and never draw it outside. So, obviously, people care about audience. You know, I think people, like, they look at my graph and traditional graffiti, quote-unquote, and I still do pretty traditional graffiti. There's letters in it, you know? Um, And a lot of people probably look down on it. And a lot of people are probably like, oh, it's like interesting, but like weird and kind of like whack or funny or whatever. But the the end goal is kind of the same. Like, what's the goal of graffiti? It's that you want people to see your thing and to pay attention to and to like access their consciousness. And you can either do that by doing it a lot so people see it everywhere or doing it like really interesting one time and putting a lot of work into like planning this thing that will like stand out in a different way and I think that's like the the sort of challenge and like path that I've like pursued in that sense so you got bored with um with the more 
traditional approach. Uh, you said around 2006, you started getting bored with it. Can you explain? I think it just like, I still enjoy traditional. I actually kind of, I've been going back and looking at graph that I used to not like at all. And I kind of have like a weird soft spot for it now. Like I never liked like LA pointy graph and shit. And now I like, I look at it and I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. Cause I don't know how they do it. You know, it's like a bunch of like Montana caps and it like is really, um, but as far as me personally, like living in the Midwest, the style of graph there is very basic, like bar style, straight letter graffiti with maybe like a character. And at a certain point that just like, I never even got like that good at it. I wasn't doing like crazy wild style pieces or anything, but it just seemed like very limited, like a limited way to try and express yourself in this medium that's already incredibly limited because you're just writing the same word over and over again. Um, and I think in like 2006, seven, eight, I started seeing uh, on Flickr like drugs crew and some European graffiti that was like, just kind of challenge the basic notions of like what you can do with graph or it's just like very atavistic and they would try and paint like 1974 graffiti that's just like an arrow and four dots you know and it's like I just liked that outside of the box approach of like you know you can do this in the traditional way or you can just try and mix it up as like a it just seemed more interesting to try and and change it and uh, it took a long time, though, to, like, change it and also have it be, like, my own bird. Because I was still ripping people off in, like, 2010 and 11, I feel like. I would see, like, a Tumblr graph, and they had, like, a weird way they painted, like, a ladder on their piece or something, and I would, like, steal that, you know? So, and then it got to, I think, in maybe, like, the teens, 13, 14, I really started, like, branching out and stealing not from graffiti, but stealing from, like, architecture or like a sign that I saw on the street or like a painting I saw in a museum. And that was like, you could just bring in the rest of the world as part of the challenge, so. Have you ever considered it a waste of time? I feel like with the way you think and you think about society and stuff like that and all the places and experiences that you've had uh, living in different places and all this stuff, I feel like something makes me feel like you would end up thinking that. It's definitely masturbatory and has no like positive societal effect um i mean everything's a waste of time and it's not you know like i'm not a zen person so i can't sit in a room and stare at a blank wall and just be content i'll maybe never be content um it's yeah like it's, it's everything's a waste of time though and in that sense it's not even negative that it's a waste of time time being wasted is just like what a waste of what uh <laughs> it's like uh you might as you know if you paint a graffiti you, the only thing i don't like about graffiti is all the 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 waste of like the cans and the caps like i i'm kind of an environmentalist person and it really bums me out how much trash i've made because of graffiti well what do you what do you mean by uh when you say time being wasted is like what a waste of what um well you can't you can't waste something. That's the wrong question. It's like asking, it's like starting off with a faulty basis. There's no possible way to waste time because it's all subjective, you know? Like, you can watch TV or you can paint graffiti or go to a job and strive for something or not, and so you you, would, you're going to die no matter what. So you would say that since you can't waste time because it's all subjective, 
you would say that let's say like uh, being on Oculus uh, or playing a video game where you ne literally never leave your crib is the equivalent in terms of time wasting to um, let's say uh, mastering some sort of craft outdoors uh, like as long as the person's enjoying it thoroughly either way and feel like they're accomplishing something with their life then those are equal. I don't want to yuck anyone's yums. You know, like if, if you want to do Oculus and never leave your room and become like a gelatinous blob, I think that that's, I, I'm such a judgmental asshole. I don't want to say, I hate video games. Mm -hmm. I think they're so fucking awful. I hate Netflix, you know, like streaming media, like really just, it's, it's so stupid and everyone is so sad and anxious these days. And I'm like, yeah, like, that's because of the things that you think you like in your life, you know? Like, you love your car and driving around. That's why you have diabetes, you know? Like, everything that people do and have that's made their life easier and, quote, more enjoyable is, like, ruining them. Mm. And I don't know... I don't even know if it's a bad thing, though, because, yeah, like, it, it also... People are becoming more aware of maybe other perspectives and viewpoints through these new mediums but also then they're not because they never go and talk to their fucking neighbor you know like uh there's something called social capital and i can't remember what it really is i just remember that it, it doesn't exist anymore it used to be like um in the 50s and 60s people had to go to like pta meetings and bowling clubs and the elks lodge type beat because they didn't have any entertainment you know like entertainment was really rare and so they had to create their own shit and so they had to go out and like actually interact with other people and now like the anonymity of existence is like yeah you think you're getting other perspectives from your machine but like you're not actually the machine is so flat it's flattened all this shit where like it makes you think that every person that's not your political viewpoint is either like a blue-haired envy they them who's going to cancel you or like a crazy neckbeard AK-47 guy who, like, wants to suck Trump's dick and is going to shoot you in the head. And, like, once you go out and just <laughs> talk to people, literally, like, they're so much more interesting than that. Yeah, pretty you, much, like, not that many people are actually either of No, us. not at all. But that's... You're people who you think would be, because you've been convinced that that's what they are through the, as you said, the machine. Yeah. But, the, and that's, like, what's... I mean, even, like, being younger... I remember because I, I got brainwashed by the machine and I was like, oh, like every like Republican person must hate gay people. And then you think that until you meet your first three gay Republicans, you know, or like you're like a kid and you're like, oh, like all white, like hick people like country music and all black people like rap music. And then you like go to a country bar and there's a black gay dude there hanging out. And you're like, oh, it's just like. Nothing is, like, as simple as fucking watching CNN would have you believe it is. Like, people are so much more interesting than the fucking world they present to you. And that's what does bum me out about the screen life, is if you just... Even even living in the city, the kind of the big bummer of living on a coast is, like, yeah, you have everything at your fingertips and you think it's the center of the world, but, like, go to fucking Durham, North Carolina or Kansas City or, like, a small town in the middle of nowhere and it's, like, really interesting. Like, the fucking people out there are, like, they're weird as fuck. Yeah. There's yeah. cool shit going on, like, everywhere, yeah, you yeah, know? Definitely. And they have completely different ways of life and completely different uh, thought perspectives. Because uh, we drove up to Seattle, we drove up to San Diego, like, from New York all the way, and 
we went boom, 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 uh, twice. And uh, it's pretty insane, like the different styles of life that people lead, even in just America alone, mm -hmm. and how different people can be just crossing a few different state lines. Mm -hmm. um, their like opinions can totally shift just by crossing state lines. That's something that kind of like stuck with me. Um, or, or not even just opinions, <coughs> but just like someone who grew up in New York is truly different than someone who grew up, let's say, in uh, that place you just named in North Carolina. Oh, Durham. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's insane. It's, I mean, it's like this weird paradox of like, they say if you take any two people in like the U.S. and they'll seem really different to you. But then if you take those same two people and compare them to like a person in China, the two people in the U.S. will seem like very mm -hmm. similar. And you could do that literally on like any block in Brooklyn. Like you take any like me and my neighbor in Brooklyn and have us like talk about some shit. Like that guy's fucking crazy. He believes in this shit and this shit. But yeah, and then you compare me to like a guy in Texas and I'll be like, man, me and the Brooklyn guy kind of see eye to eye. That Texas guy is crazy. Mm -hmm. But then me and Texas guy look really similar compared to like a dude in Cameroon, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, I don't know. That's like life is really hard and a bummer, but it's cool when you actually can get out of yourself and go talk to those people and figure that shit out, you know? So um, what's, what's uh, I guess to start wrapping this up, what's up next for you? What do you have planned? How long do you plan on staying in New York for uh, this time and et cetera? Um, I mean, I'm, my lease is another couple of months and I'm maybe trying to get a studio here. Uh, I mean, I, I want to stay here for at least like another year or two on and off to like, and there's a lot of shit going on here. Like I'm working on a bunch of projects. So it's, it's like good to be in a place where a lot of shit's happening. I have like some uh, like work projects like commission type shit coming up i have to go do some other work shit in other parts of the country um and then like i i think i told you maybe before like i just finished writing this book and so i'm like one of my friends i paid her to edit it and she's been like editing it for grammar and i have to like format the whole thing it's like a novel and so i'm gonna like publish that uh I don't know, just like work on these sculptures I've been doing. I have to, it's, there's just so much to do. Like I, uh, I want to keep doing mosaics out on the street, but I'm kind of sick of doing them in New York, at least in Brooklyn. I need to get out to like the Bronx or some shit just cause it's like, I don't know. I don't, I, I want them to do them other places. I want other people to see them. You know, I'm going out to, to New Brunswick to do a couple. So I have some friends out there and I like, oh, yeah, New Brunswick's tight. They call it no funswick, but it's pretty fun for me. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, what month is it? Is it, it June? Is June, yeah. Definitely going to go to the beach. I'm going to try and see a Cyclones game this year. Uh, you know the Cyclones? No. Uh, it's the minor league team at Coney Island. I've been meaning to go forever, and then I think it was like three years ago, I've was like okay we're gonna go see the cyclones play and we took acid and we were gonna go see them play and it ended up being cop appreciation day we showed up at the stadium there's just like all these police everywhere and i was just like tripping really hard being like oh fuck i can't do it. but this is the summer when i go see a cyclones game i think cool cool well um thank you for coming on the show really appreciate it and i thoroughly enjoyed this conversation yeah sorry if i was like no stressed i'm you know cool. um, good. yeah cool all right. Well, thank you, man. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Peace.